Good morning. This is our second episode of the week for economics. What a treat. <clears throat> um, just going to review a few of the basic approaches to investing that were covered in that longer doc document. Um, it's part of your reading this week. It might be a little bit complicated and convoluted. But never fear, here to help, or kind of help, uh, as best I can. So, as we discussed, a stock is a share of a company, and by purchasing a share, you become an owner of that company. So, you know, how do we make some kind of determination about whether owning this company is a good idea? Uh, so there are a lot of approaches to that. Um, first, maybe the most logical, um, is called fundamental analysis, which means you look at the whole business. You know, how is it doing? What are its profit margins? Uh, does it have good products? Um, does it have a good return on the investments the business itself makes in itself? Uh, and a lot of these metrics are publicly available, required to be disclosed if um, a company is publicly traded. So many great investors, for example, Warren Buffett, and some of you probably heard of him, uh, use this approach, right? We're going to look at the stock as a business. If you're interested in extra reading, there's a article in the original part of the investing class drive. Um, by a very famous um, investor called Ben Graham, um, who kind of pioneered this field of fundamental analysis, talking about you know this uh, idea of Mr. Market, where you know every day you wake up and you are a part owner in a company with your neighbor, and your neighbor is Mr. Market, and Mr. Market gives some crazy quotes some days, crazy high, crazy low. Right, and if you were smart, you would have your own idea of what this company is worth and really take advantage of Mr. Market's sort of mood swings to buy when the price is good and resell to him when the price is good the other way. So um, Mr. Market, of course, being a metaphor for the stock market's gyrations. Um, so that's one approach. Kind of combined with that, a lot of people try to do um, value investing, which is once you determine what the company is worth, try to buy it at a good value. Don't pay too much money. Um, there's another article in the original drive by Warren Buffett called The Super Investors of Graham and Doddsville, where he talks about a bunch of people who have bought different companies, um, but have had the same approach and have all done really well, including himself. Um, next, there are people who believe in following the numbers primarily, might set up you know screens online or uh, through investing software. I'd say, okay, if this company meets these numerical criteria, I don't really care what business is in or what the industry is. Um, I'm going to invest. doesn't really matter to me um, as long as the numbers make sense. So that would be quantitative analysis, really looking very strictly at some numerical criteria. Um, even it could be some numerical criteria about what's going on in the broader economy or 
you know, some sort of algorithm that determines what they're going to buy, how much they're going to buy, when they're going to buy. Um, this presents the notion of maybe having some sort of mathematical precision to what they're investing in. Uh, then we have chartists, um, people who believe a lot in really analyzing the, you know, sort of the opposite of the first school, analyzing those daily gyrations in the market, you know, could come up with theories about where a chart would, you know, be a lower end range for the price and be by then and, you know, all kinds of different approaches to, you know, sort of the price history and what's, uh, what's going on with this company in terms of that. Um, you have people who just believe in frequent trading, kind of riding the wave. Um, you know, times are good, they buy. Times are bad, they sell. Sort of the opposite of, fun of fundamental analysis or value investing. They really are creatures of the market and the kind of daily mental uh, and emotional changes that are happening. Um, that uh, they do a lot of frequent trading. Um, it's harder to, for me to explain a approach they have, uh, but many people believe very strongly, and this is supported by academic research, that you know the market is right. The market is reflective of all current knowledge, right? If you had millions of people, which we have millions of people investing in stocks, it would seem to make sense that you know on every side of every transaction there's a buyer and a seller. You know, stocks, stocks are bought and sold out of nowhere. You don't know who the seller and buyer are. If I buy, I'm buying from someone. If I sell, I'm selling to someone. I just know who this person is, but it's out there. This is what makes the price what it is, right? Supply and demand. So anyway, the traders believe, you know, this is this is true, right? And there's a lot of research that says it is, and so they'll react, um, you know, to these movements quite closely. Um, I think that kind of concludes a basic overview of different ways to invest. Um, as you read through the packet, of course, I did not cover every single paragraph in the, you know, eight to ten pages that are in there, but uh, or every single kind of component. There are subgenres to each of these main categories. But I hope that this gives you a little bit of an idea of what you're looking at here, right? That um, you know, with some more specifics to my first podcast, which is, okay, we've got, you know, we've got this thing, the market. We know we all want to make money. Well, how do I go about doing that? Again, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, you know, if I were even more knowledgeable about this, I probably would be not teaching sophomore economics. Maybe I'd be working in finance somewhere. Gosh forbid. But, um, you know, this is the basic understanding I think we need of it from the... You know, perspective of how do we invest our personal money. We need to know that there are a lot of different ways to do it, that um, really what makes the market move is kind of a combination of all these different forces reacting to it, right? Even nowadays, right, when things might look really bleak for, say, the hotel industry or the airline industry, right? There are some people out there, maybe Warren Buffett himself, who are saying, you know what, fundamentally these businesses are good, uh, fundamentally, right, we know we're going to be out of this at some point in time. So wouldn't it be awesome to own this at a really cheap price? So when we do get out of it, right, I have bought really low. I bought a awesome company at a really, really big discount. On the other hand, there are other people who are saying, look, that's great. You know, I'll jump back. These might be traders, right? I'll jump back in 
when the sky is clear a little bit, but there's no way I'm riding this all the way down, right? Um, it could fall even lower, right? We could see bankruptcy of uh, weaker companies, right? So there's no way I'm doing that. If I see this happening, I'm getting out, I'll jump back in when I see it getting better, right? I have the ability to trade. But anyway, what my point originally was that all these different people pursuing these different approaches help drive the market to change price, um, help create trading partners in the market, which is important, right? And sort of make the market tick. So, you know, the stock market, sometimes people compare it to, you know, gambling. Certainly there's an element of it. If I just randomly buy a company today and hope it gets better, right? Um, I suppose that is more like gambling, but it's not gambling in the sense that, you know, in basic terms, you're owning something, you're getting something, right? It's not simply based on probability. It's based on, you know, what this thing you have will do. Um, not just that roll the dice per se, or which card comes up. Um, and also it's not gambling in that, um, you know, you would assume the U S economy would always be growing. You would assume that businesses would always be producing more revenues and profits. And, you know, this isn't really random chance. Really the name of the game is, okay, what's my optimal strategy for me? What best, um, is the best combination of risk reward? You know, what are my ideas about how to best accomplish my goals? Um, you know, and all those different perspectives combined with current events and changing circumstances of what the near and long-term future hold for individual companies and for everyone are kind of what make a market tick, uh, the stock market tick. So I hope that um, gives you some explanation on things. Um, next week, my assignment will probably be to watch this frontline video on retirement. Um, and what that video will advocate is that for the ordinary person, you shouldn't really worry about any of this. You should just buy a broad mutual fund, oftentimes called an index fund that just tracks the market and determine an amount of savings you want and forget it. That's it. Let the thing go. Don't peak. Don't trade. You don't even follow the market in terms of its daily news. And probably at the end of, uh, decades of saving, you'll be pretty happy at what you see when you open the envelope. Um, so that's probably best for most people, approach like that is pick a few broad, low-cost mutual funds and ignore the noise. Um, but I do think we have a duty to explain what's going on behind, even if you were to pursue that, what's going on in the market, what's going on kind of behind the scenes. Uh, and that Thus, I hope that this episode helps you a little bit, and I hope that that reading helps you. As technical and kind of maybe confusing as it is, it was the um, simplest thing, if you believe it. Simplest thing I could find for our purposes, I think, meet our goals. So thank you all, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Get cracking on that work. Um, as a side note, I've seen, and I know this probably doesn't apply to the people listening to this, but I have seen some people... Um, getting in after Friday at 3 p.m. That is the due date. Um, you know, I give you the whole week to take care of it, so I hope that that's a good thing, a good feature. Um, but there is a cutoff. Um, that's for attendance purposes and for grading purposes as the uh, school policy um, has been set for that, right? I can't go back and do all this other stuff. So, you know, think of it as really everyone has extended time. Um, you know, you get the assignment. In a traditional way, they probably could be done one day, right? But we want to 
want to dial things back and focus on the most important things during this weird time. Um, but do make sure you have things in by Friday. Thank you. Talk to you all soon.